Welcome back. This is JC with the You Made New Podcast. This is episode five of season two. I did realize in my last episode I got the numbers all wrong. So you just ignore the numbers. Look at what's listed. I keep doing that. But I, I'm recording these back to back. I got so fired up recording the last one. We've got to keep going because we just barely t- scratched the surface when it comes to fear. So if you haven't listened to part one, obviously, please start there. Um, here's part two. Because there's some things we really, really, really have to hit on. We can't just leave it where we left it because it, it brings up too many questions. I think what I want to do today, and again, we're not, we're not going to cover everything you can cover on fear and anxiety, but all I'm hoping is to, to just throw out some anchors we can hold on to, some foundational pieces that we can then take to the Lord and allow him to build on as he, he shifts and transforms our mind to a one of one of peace rather than fear. Um, remember we quoted earlier, Isaiah 26 verse three, that says he will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on thee. So that's what we're, we're trusting him for that. We can move from a spirit of fear. Not, not that some of us don't live in it constantly. Some of us do. But we're all prone to a spirit of fear from time to time to time, like we said, because we're human. So we're continuing to learn in these episodes how we can shift and let him heal our minds so that we live in a place of peace and trust and confidence in him. Now, I want to base it on two quick things. Well, maybe they won't be so quick. Two, those anchor pieces we talked about that I think really help us to begin to process how to do this how to live in this new place. Um, and the one that may seem most obvious, but we gotta, we gotta go over it for a minute is if we are to live in a place of peace in Christ rather than fear, we cannot look at our circumstances rationally. I mean, we're dealing now with a God who can change anything and do anything and, and flip any circumstance upside down. And if we just look at things on paper as they look in our lives, chances are the fear is going to skyrocket because so often we're in circumstances that look like there's no hope, no help, no light, no changing, no answers. And that's when he shines the brightest is when it looks impossible. But there's so many verses that, that remind us that no, with God, nothing is impossible. Don't look at it on paper. It's like the Israelites with their back to the Red Sea with Moses. They had been delivered from Egypt. They had come all the way through the desert. They're standing at their at the Red Sea and here comes Pharaoh's army and they all freak out, right? They get afraid because looking at the circumstances, the Red Sea was behind them. There was nowhere to go. There was no answer. There was no help. They were doomed. We all know the story so well that we realize God had a story in mind, a deliverance in mind, but they couldn't see it with rational eyes, with rational human eyes. So what I'm telling you is this is a shift to look away from our circumstances, especially when they're telling us there's no hope. Let's, let's talk about some examples. There's one um, tiny little story in second Kings seven that I think about all the time. It's not one of our um, most common stories that we tell a lot, but for some reason it really stuck with me. And every time something scary or something difficult just comes into my life. I think of this story. Like you just never know what the Lord is going to do. And so we can trust him. 
Um, this was a story with Elisha, the prophet, at a time when Jerusalem was being, um, was under siege from the Sumerians. Did I get that right? I have to look at my scriptures. No, they're in Samaria. The Syrian hosts, excuse me, the Syrians had surrounded the city and were laying siege. And so they were starving. They had no food. And so it says specifically, I want to read it in the message because sometimes it just helps me. The message translation. What verse is it? So if you look in 2 Kings 6, actually, it describes how bad the siege has gotten. Um, it says, oh, I lost it. I'll read it right here, my King James. It said it had gotten so bad that a donkey's head was sold for four score pieces of silver and the fourth part of a dove's dung for five pieces of silver. Like they were paying exorbitant amounts just for the worst kind of food because nothing was left. So they were starving. And so Elisha comes and he is at the gate and the king's there. And he says to, um, to them, listen, and again, this is from the message. I just like the way it's translated. Second Kings seven, verse one. Um, the famine's over. God has spoken. The famine's over this time tomorrow. Food will be plentiful. A handful of meal for a shekel, two handfuls of grain for a shekel. The market at the city gate will be buzzing. So he's saying it's going to be absolutely in one day by tomorrow, it's going to be over. And the attendant that's standing there with the king is like, are you kidding me? In fact, the, the message translation voices it. He says, you expect us to believe that. Again, very rational. Uh, as many of us would look at circumstances and go, that, that just can't, a siege doesn't overturn in a day. How's that going to happen? They haven't been able to win. They haven't been able to defeat these guys. And magically by tomorrow, it's just all going to change. But it did. The, the circumstances are unbelievable. Go read um, 2 Kings 7. It's this crazy story where the Lord causes this, um, this sound like a noise of chariots. And the enemy army freaks out and runs away. They just run off. The people in Jerusalem, they didn't even have to do anything. The Lord just did it. They run away leaving all of their gold and riches and food and their camp stuff outside. So all they had to do was walk out of the city and just get all their, the enemy's food and bring it into town. And they had plenty by the next day, exactly what Elisha had said had come to pass. And then this is the sad thing. It says, um, that the man who questioned actually died the next day. He didn't believe brutal. I know, but and that's not the point of the story. But the idea is if we look rationally at our situation, Without a God being involved in the circumstances, we will be filled with a spirit of fear. But if we keep our eyes fixed on the scriptures, on the stories, on all the circumstances that show these kinds of miraculous change coming, um, it's going to be able to give us that peace that we're looking for. I love this quote from Jim Cimbala. I wrote it in my scriptures because I thought it was so awesome. Faith never denies reality. So you're not living in a fairy tale land, right? Faith never denies reality, but leaves room for God to grant a new reality. So I'm not living in never, never land and just like, it's all good. It's all fine. It'll be fine. It's not moving to that. It's acknowledging. Yeah, things are pretty. We're under siege. We have no food or whatever. The circumstances doesn't mean that you can't acknowledge what the circumstances are. But it's leaving room that God can do anything he wants. The Lord can change this any way he wants. And I'm going to trust that. 
Now, the second piece to this though, as we begin to practice that looking away from our circumstances and fixing our eyes on Christ, looking away from the winds and the waves, fixing our eyes on him, Peter walking on the water. When he looked at Christ, he could walk, he could rise up. When he looked at the waves, he sank. It's just a basic scriptural principle. But as we begin to, begin to practice this, one of the key things I've learned for me, and this is what I did in the beginning, often my faith would start out with the Lord as, I'm going to trust you that you'll never let my worst fears happen to me. That's our bargain. <laughs> I will trust you. You, here's your list, A, B, and C. We can't ever go through that because I couldn't survive it, so... My faith was in him protecting me from those things. Now you can guess, because I'm guessing your life is the same as mine, that that didn't happen. That at times he did um, lead me into to circumstances where that were my worst fears. And that I was frustrated because I wanted him to deliver me from it, not let me go through it. <laughs> so we can't, that's not how life works. We can't offer him some sort of bargain where we say, okay, I'll trust you if you never let A, B, and C happen. If you never let us go through cancer and you make sure my husband never um, leaves me single and passes away, or if you make sure that never whatever our worst fears are. So then we may say, well, that's not a very good deal. <laughs> but he's not Santa Claus. He's not that kind of a God where we give him our Christmas list and he makes our wishes come true. His business is in helping us to become helping us to transform and to change. And sometimes those circumstances that we fear the most are the ones that we need the most to transform us. Plus, often those same circumstances are the greatest tests of our faith because he is about testing our faith, is he not? So we got to be big girls and boys and not just trust that he won't lead us into tough things, but that as he leads us into those things, Whatever the outcome, he will deliver. He will be there. He can calm our storm or he'll, he'll bring us peace amid the storm. I have a favorite Christian artist, Stephen Curtis Chavin, who has a song that talks about, you know, if you've got an ocean in front of you, maybe he'll part the waves and you can walk through on dry ground. That's might be what he does, but maybe he'll take your hand and say, step up, let's walk on the water. There's many different ways that he will help us handle the adversity in our lives. The key is not, you don't let bad things happen and then I can be at peace. That's not what we're looking at. What we're looking at is whatever, Lord, whatever you lead me through, I trust you that you will be there with me and you will deliver me. Let's look at an example of this in scripture. I thought of just one. There's a zillion um, of Shadrach, Meshach. At Abednego and, and the fiery furnace. I mean, you know that story in Daniel chapter 3. Where they were being forced to worship Nebuchadnezzar's golden image. We talked about this in my body image um, episodes, I think, didn't we? But let's get their answer. We didn't talk about this. When they're told, you must worship this image or you'll be thrown in a fiery furnace. I mean, talk about scary, terrifying circumstances. But they bold-faced look at the king and they just say, if it be, if it be so, our God... Excuse me. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They show a perfect understanding of this idea. 
He can deliver us. He could stop this any second that he wants. But if not, I will still believe him, trust him, cling to him. Do you see how it's got to have that kind of um, flexibility as we move forward in a life where we're seeking to lose the spirit of fear and to move to a spirit of peace and faith? Um, We do this first and foremost. We reach this kind of reality. The only way we can do it is just to fix our eyes on him. Not on the outcome of what he does, on what we want him to do for us. Just him. Do you see the difference? Sometimes sometimes I think we use him as a divine butler that we can order around. Like in our prayers. You need to keep me safe and please bless me that I can pass this test. And please bless this and please bless that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's bad to ask for those things. But if our faith is conditional on our expectation of what we want him to do, then no, we're not going to be able to live in peace because he's not always going to follow through. Sometimes he has a bigger vision for us and he is going to let some things happen to us that we had specifically asked him not to let us go through. But it's not because he's trying to torture us. It's because he wants us probably number one, to see that we can survive them with clinging to his hand. The one thing we thought would kill us isn't. And we're going to look at him in awe and say, oh my gosh, I'm walking on the water. I was sure that this thing would swallow me whole. And I'm walking on the water. The one thing that I was so terrified of. I remember I was trying to come through my people pleasing days. And that is another whole episode that we'll have to go into later. But again, trying to work through some of my baggage and A lot of my people pleasing was coming from a fear of rejection, others rejection. And so I would people please so they wouldn't reject me. It had just been something since childhood that had been a habit of mine. And and that fear, I began to hear him say to me, I want you to have a voice. I want you to stop people pleasing. I want you to be able to speak your mind with boldness and not be so worried about others reactions. And we were, we were moving in that direction. He was giving me more strength to begin to do that and not be such a people pleaser, but I really did believe in my heart of hearts that that meant he wouldn't let me experience rejection. He would buffer that and insulate me from rejection. And I, I, by being obedient, because I was being courageous and trying to step out onto this water, that that storm wouldn't come in my life. And, and I experienced rejection from two incredibly, incredibly close people in my life. Hardcore rejection, right? Following on the heels of all this down, I went, boy, hardcore rejection. And at first I was kind of like, wait, Lord, this is not what was supposed to happen. You were supposed to protect me from that fear. And that's the first time I began to really understand this principle for myself that I could almost feel him grin at me. And it was like, I'm sorry, JC, that was never the plan. (laughs) I knew you had that in your head that you're so afraid of this, that it controls you. And I had to take you into this to show you that you could handle it. And that's what dismantled my fear of rejection was facing it. I was experiencing experiencing it holding his hand. I'd experienced it many times without him and it had just crippled me. But clinging to him, I began to walk through these personal rejections and there was peace in the midst of it. It didn't it didn't swallow me whole like I thought. And it it diffused the fear. 
around that particular thing so that it doesn't grip me anymore. So you can see sometimes that he needs to take us to these places so he can diffuse the fear that has so held us captive for perhaps decades. Oh, I could never handle that. I can never handle that. We just tell ourselves that. I've heard people say that too. I've said it. Oh, I can never handle that. You hear something someone went through and sometimes then you find yourself facing the very thing. But as we cling to his hand, we start to realize, oh, wait a second. He shows us to see the situation with new eyes and then it takes away the monsters looming under the bed, right? Takes away the fear. I was also thinking of, since we were in 2 Kings, um, anyway, oh, I turned the page just one second. Since we were in 2 Kings for that story in chapter 7, talking about how he can change anything and, and any impossible circumstances can be completely reversed. If you look in the previous chapter, 2 Kings 6, it's another perfect story that goes right with what we're talking about. And it's again what can happen when we move our eyes from the rational, from the circumstances, from what our human mind is looking at, the storm, the waves, and shift our eyes to him, what can happen? It was just the simple little story that you've heard. I know you have. Um, when they were again being besieged by the enemy. And it says, verse 15, when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forward, forth, behold, an host encompassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And our enemy army was, army was encompassing the city. And the servant said unto him, alas, my master, how shall we do? Freaking out the way most of us would in our default human natural state. And he answered, Elisha said to him, fear not, for they that be with us are more that they would, than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed. Now here's the key. Just because Elisha had said that to him, did it immediately calm his fear? All he could see was the enemy army. He couldn't fathom that there was a reason not to freak out. Even if Elisha said, no, don't worry. Those that with us are more than, than the enemy. There's more. But then what he did to get the, the servant to understand, it says in verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. There's help. There's power, there's strength, but sometimes the Lord has to open our eyes because we're just staring at the enemy army. We're just staring at the winds and the waves. We're staring at the health diagnosis that we just got. I mean, we, we've, my husband and I walked through a year of unemployment. I know how terrifying some of these things can be terrifying. And you put your eyes on the storm and you're just going to go down. You're going to just be consumed, right? With anxiety, fear, even if there's not something in your life right now that's taking you down, just watch the news. As I record this, um, it's, it's 2020. It's the coronavirus is taking everyone. It's just freaking everyone out. All the news reports and, but then all these other news reports are saying, calm down, calm down. It's just this storm of panic. There's a million things that the adversary can use to just wreck us mentally. But if we're going to have a sound mind, if we're going to have a saved, redeemed, delivered, transformed mind, 
We've got to have him open our eyes to the God that is with us, that is God over all of these circumstances. He may change the circumstance entirely, like he did with us when we were poor and we couldn't buy a house and he found a miraculous way to do it that is unheard of, that you only have to pay $100 to get into a house like I was talking about. Or he may lead you through the experience that you want to avoid and show you that with his help, you can do it. However it happens, he is there. And so he looks at us and he says, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? It's a practice thing. We've got to practice and say mentally for me, when the fear starts to ride up, rise up. No, no. In fact, one year it was so bad. I had so many things threatening me mentally to just lose it with anxiety. I took a little, and this is so old school. You'll probably find a techier, cooler way to do this, but I I got one of those spirals index cards that's hooked onto a spiral. So it's a little spiral notebook with index cards. And every time I found a scripture or a quote on fear, some sort of scripture verse that says, I will deliver you. I will help you. Trust me. I will be with you. Those kinds of words. I, I filled that little spiral. Like it was packed. One of these days I'll do an episode where I'll just read some of the verses. I don't have it with me right now. I would, but I, uh, I clung to that thing. There was something about having a tangible reminder. I would be in the store or in the car. I would get it out and just flip through those verses and just let those words wash over so that they drown out the fear in my head. It was my way of fixing my eyes on Jesus and letting his, his voice shout over the waves and the winds. Because man, sometimes Satan just really gets him going strong and it just seems like we can't hear Christ over the sound of the wailing wind in our life and everything that we have. But I, I, I just was desperate to find a way to let his voice transcend all of that in my head. And it did bring peace. It doesn't mean I don't have circumstances that still tempt me to fear. But now I know how to battle. Now I know how to look to him and fix my eyes on him. It's like uh, Psalms 112 verse 7 says, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in him. The evil, t- evil tidings are going to continue to come to us. But if our heart is fixed, if we know how to trust in him and fix our eyes on him rather than the circumstances, we will find peace. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have... Um, time to really process this and make it personal. And then we'll just move on to our next episode. Have a wonderful day.